June 29th, 2023. Let's continue our series with regards to hotels and halakha. There are so many issues that come up both on weekdays and Shabbat from a halakha standpoint when a person is on vacation and under many different types of circumstances in a hotel room. We've in the past addressed many of them. Let's specifically now address playing ball on Shabbat when people are away at a hotel and there's a tennis court downstairs or a basketball court and their children or others are interested in playing ball. Sometimes the question arises, is it permitted? Are there restrictions? Are there qualifications and circumstances where you can and should not or would not? I'd like to, over the course of this class, deal with many, if not all, of the laws and uh, Shabbat realities related to that issue of playing ball on Shabbat. Now, initially, before beginning, uh, before getting into the uh, structure and stricture of this uh, sort of issue in the halakha sense with sourcing, just want to talk about Shabbat from a vantage point of Kiddushah, a day of sanctity, a day of holiness. And I know it goes without saying, but the hakamim in many occasions, and we'll even read through the lines in several of these circumstances, talk about and remind us of the opportunity that we have on Shabbat from a metaphysical standpoint to tap into the source of Kiddushah. Shabbat is attested to by HaKadosh Baruch Hu as being Zechel Ma'asir Bereshit, Zechel Isiyat Misraim. It's a time for contemplation, for connectedness to one another, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for understanding ourselves as a result to already begin talking about playing ball, which by definition is a distraction, which by definition is something which is not per se spiritual or holy in nature, at least upon first glance, is already to understand that we might be sacrificing an opportunity, or squandering uh, the opportunity to tap into greater matters on this day. That all notwithstanding, it happens. There are circumstances, there are many circumstances, where people find a really long Shabbat afternoon and uh, there are people playing ball and the question arises, this isn't defining their day per se, where it could be and would be inappropriate. It's a five-hour ball playing day. That's a Shabbat afternoon. That would, in my mind, be objectively inappropriate. But it's going to be a game or two or a few in such a circumstance what sort of halachot would arise, again, maintaining the sanctity of the day as it should be? Well, first and foremost to address, and we did a full class on this at greater length, the issue of exercise and running on Shabbat. That oftentimes, mistakenly, people assume is asur. They assume there's restriction uh, under all circumstances. You would not be able to go running on Shabbat, wouldn't be able to in any way work out on Shabbat. So that's really the first of the four sources on the page in front of you address those issues at greater length elsewhere where we went into the sources at a greater uh, depth in a class that we had exercising and running on Shabbat. But let's start with source number one over here in Shohan Aruch in Ora Haim in Siman Shin Kaf Chet in Sa'if Membet. Shohan Aruch is really citing from and interpreting a Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat and Afkof Mem Zayin. And he says, En mit'amelin, dehainu shedores al haguf bekoach he refers to Amelin or Mit Amelin. Now, in today's day and age, Hit in Hebrew, of course, means exercise. And in this context, it is some sort of exercise, but more specific that the purpose of this exercise, and maybe the action per se, doesn't need to be exactly as it says, Dores al Haguf, some sort of pressing of the body. But the specific part which is prohibited is Kedeshe Yiyagea Viyazia. Shohan Aruch makes clear that the issue would be in whatever hit amlut you might be engaged in, if your expressed purpose is Kedeshe Yiyagea Viyazia, so that you'll be tired and or, or um, exert your energy and sweat. Why is he talking about exerting your energy and sweating? As Mishnabura fills in the gaps here in source number two, basing himself really on the Gemara and the Mefarshim to the Gemara, the issue with regards to exercise or running on Shabbat is singular. The issue would be that of medicine on Shabbat. It would only be if a person's doing so in a therapeutic fashion. They're doing it because the, daughter, the doctor prescribed them to be running or to be exercising. If that's the expressed purpose, the hachamim have a gezerah, they have a restriction with regards to medicine on Shabbat, 
Gezerah Mishum Shemeish Haksabamanim, a person might come to crush herbs, and as a result, by extension, any medicinal circumstance needs to be carefully analyzed. Of course, if it's life threatening, it wouldn't apply, but needs to be carefully taken into consideration that you cannot and should but not be engaged in medicinal activities. Even if it's not actually crushing, or even if it's not. So Mishnah Berurah specifically addresses that issue in this context, which again, I'm already making clear if a person's playing ball, I assume, unless you tell me otherwise, it's not because the doctor told them to, it's not because this is the way that they're curing themselves, but yes, what you're asking is nonetheless, if they were doing so, if they were running for therapeutic reasons, there's not even anything close to crushing herbs. It's one thing if I'm taking the herbs, I might come to crush them. Says the Nishtam Berurah here in source number two, v'hi bichlal refuah, ve'en lehakshot, and don't ask, kevan she'en kan shayachut, Maybe you'd ask, and he says, and don't do so, there's no relevance, there's no connection to crushing herbs. So then it should be permitted. Yesh Lomar, he says that you could and should answer, The specific fear over here, which is less far-fetched and less removed is that ultimately speaking there are herbs that could be applied in order to cause sweating and as a result any activity which is in place in order to bring forth a therapeutic sweating in order to break a sweat break a sweat so that you break your fever or something of that sort would be forbidden so you understand it's less far-fetched over here since herbs could be used in such a fashion but yes exercise for the express purpose of the therapist, the doctor told me I need to be doing so, not to keep myself healthy, not because this is my morning routine, but rather because I have an ailment and this is the way to cure myself, provided that it's not life-threatening. That and only that is asur in the context of exercise. So by that logic, if you have a headache, you're not allowed to take a nap if that makes you feel better. Or if your arm is hurting and someone says, oh, you know what to do when your arm hurts like this? Raise your arm for five minutes and, you know, it'll feel better. No, it's only activities which, through doing them, it's clear you're doing something out of the norm. That's the way the Gemara qualifies these sorts of rifuah activities. It's only something which looks different and in turn will be interpreted and understood. Not because of uh, marita ayin or something like that, because that's the definition of the rifuah which the hachamim were oser. If it's something that biri'im, if it's ma'achal biri'im, if it's something healthy people as well would do, there's no prohibition along those lines. And source number three, as a matter of fact, Shohan Aruch in Siman Shin Aleph, in Sa'if Bet writes, Bahurim hamit'anegim bekfitsatam umrutsatam. Young men who are enjoying the day of Shabbat, they have an oneg, a pleasure, and they derive benefit and excitement and feel good by jumping and running on Shabbat mutar. It's permitted for them to do so. You see clearly already in that reference, and there's several interpretations to it, but it seems somewhat clear that the exercise is not per se inherently a problem. Then in parentheses from the Ramah, it says, V'chen mutar letayel, it really was found in Beit Yosef. You're furthermore allowed to take walks. Um, suggests Mishnah Berurah in interpreting those words, that even if your walk is with the expressed purpose of medicine. The doctor said you need to take walks. Why so? He writes, It's clear that you're not doing it for medicine. It's, it's not clear that you're doing it for medicinal reasons. Um, that's in contrast to a person who's running out of the norm, let's say. It's boiling hot and they're sweating profusely. In such a circumstance, if it's for therapeutic medicinal reasons, it would be prohibited. But it means sources one through four, to summarize them briefly for our purposes, make clear that engagement in a sport of some sort, engagement in some uh, in the in the full class when we discuss these matters, we even quoted from Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach and from Chambenzion Abashaul, who permit uh, picking up weights on Shabbat if that's what you're doing during the week in order to keep yourself healthy, in order to get your day off uh, in a strong way, in mind and body attached to yourself, so to speak. In such a circumstance, it's permitted. Again, provided that you're not doing it because the doctor or therapist told you to do so, and that's your express purpose of a gezerah mishum and shechikat samamanim. Right, that's the first issue to address, at least in my mind, with regards to playing ball on Shabbat. The next issue to address is the status of the ball itself. And what I mean by that is, is 
the question of whether the ball is mukseh. Now, the concept of mukseh, there are many different types of mukseh on Shabbat. Actually, in the midst of learning Masechet Beza, we're, de- we're, we're deliberating and uh, developing different types of mukseh. But mukseh, the word lehaksot, uh, means to separate. And in the eyes of the hachamim, um, and this is a rabbinic uh, restriction with regards to Shabbat and Yom Tov, there are certain uh, items which are separated because you didn't or couldn't have them as a part of your Shabbat or Yom Tov activity and involvement. And the question in turn is, are balls for some reason or another to be considered as mukseh? Well, you would say, why would they be? We'll have to take a few moments to develop that. In order to get there, I just would mention in sources 5 and 6, inexplicably, in other words, without giving the full details, there are two statements and passages in Midrash and in Talmud Yerushalmi with regards to ball playing, either on Shabbat specifically or just ball playing, that are very negatively portrayed and viewed by the Hachamim. And there's never a direct and specific interpretation as to what was wrong with the ball playing, but there is a reference in rabbinic sources, ancient ones, that there's something wrong with ball playing, maybe even specifically ball playing on Shabbat. Again, that might get us into a conversation about Muqseh or otherwise. In Talmud Yerushalmi, Masechet Ta'anit, in Perek Dalet Halakha He, it says the following, Tur Shim'on, Hava Mesapek, Telat Ma'avan de Garbin, De Makri'a Lekayata, Kol Aruvot, Shuba, which is translated by Korban Ha'ida, that this location, this city or village in Jerusalem, which was known as Tur Shim'on, the mountain of Shim'on, People lived there, we'll say Yerushalayim, we'll say Efrat, we'll say Hebron. There was a place called Tur Shimon. And they would, every Erev Shabbat, they would give out a hundred portions of bread uh, to uh, poor people on Erev Shabbat. And they were very giving, they were a beautiful community, they had uh, friendship and camaraderie and chesed. Velama harav. And in turn, the Hachamim questioned, so then why was there a destruction of Tur Shimon? Well, this is the rabbis, as they often do, looking back at catastrophes which befell them and saying, well, what went wrong? If you told me we were missing chesed, I understand they were wonderful people. Yesh omer There are those who suggest it was because of sexual promiscuity. There was wrongful engagement in relations. V'yesh omrim shehayu misahakim bekadur. There's another interpretation as to what went wrong in Tur Shimon. They would play with a ball. That doesn't say on Shabbat, it just says they would play with a ball. Korban Ha'edah, a major commentary to Talmud Yerushalmi, states, initially, Bishabbat. The issue must have been it was Shabbat. What's the issue of playing with a ball on Shabbat? Never fully, cl- never made clear. I never clarified. Is it Mukseh? Is it it's just a zilzul of Shabbat? Is it that it took over their day? Was there a hot sa'av taking from one day? Never made clear. But that's the suggestion. Inname, alternatively, the Gemara was never Talmud Yerushalmi referring to Shabbat. It's that they became obsessed and infatuated with sports and ball and didn't spend enough time engaged in Torah. So the Gemara, Talmud Yerushalmi, was never remembering ball playing per se as any surah on Shabbat. Just became their primary focus as opposed to anything else. Could be relations, could be playing ball, could be playing ball on Shabbat, could be really. There's no clarity. There's no clarity from Talmud Yerushalmi. No one brings it down as halacha, like the yesh and yesh, nobody says, and this is what we follow. Right, so the the interesting thing is, it bears mention here, not just as a musar, so to speak, but it might, Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, will quote it later in a source. And there'll be an understanding that he might be quoting it as something which is stirring him or pushing him to be Osir ball playing on Shabbat, which we'll have to address when we get there. Echar Rabbati, which is the Midrash, uh, Midrash Rabbah on, uh, on, on Megillat Echa, says, Tur Shimon, Hava Mafik, Telat Mea Garbin, Velama Harevu, similar description. They used to provide a lot of food in the of Shabbat, or they used to provide it just generally speaking. Why was it destroyed? Itema min hazenut, suggests the, Tam- the Midrash as well, like Talmud Yusham, maybe because of sexual promiscuity. Says the Midrash, we have a tradition that there was only one woman who was acting wrongfully in this respect. And they banished her. They got her out, which means to say they didn't have a problem of sexual promiscuity. The issue was they used to play ball on Shabbat. Now again, no interpretation, no explanation as to what was... No, same place, Tur Shimon. Same place, but no explanation as to what was wrong with the ball playing on Shabbat. 
but a reference to something being wrong about playing with a ball on Shabbat. It takes many hundreds of years later to a source known as Shibole HaLeket. Shibole HaLeket, Rabbi Sidkiyah Harofe. And so in his commentary to Shabbat, Siman Kof Kaf Aleph, he's one of the Kadmonim, he's cited by Maran and Bet Yosef. He says, Aval elu, hakadurim shelanu, afilu keli lo hashive. He says, our balls are not considered a keli. A keli is what's defined as a utensil, which is permitted on Shabbat. In other words, the question when you come to Muqseh is, is this considered a utensil and usable for Shabbat, or is it something otherwise, like a rock of some sort? Not a keli, not a utensil. His statement is, balls are not kelim. And the fact that you had in mind, I'm going to play with this ball, doesn't turn it into a utensil. That's a very bold statement. Because by extension, Shibole Haleket ostensibly would say, any game, forget about ball playing, would be Asur. You're not going to consider something a utensil suited for Shabbat unless it's functional aside from having fun. And that's a bold statement. I think we're all familiar, uh, certainly in my household, with the fact that children do play with toys. Mm-hmm. If, if we're permitting toys, this is a difficult statement to accept, halachically speaking, that it's not considered a keli because I'm playing with it. But he continues. He says, He says, even if you'll make the argument that toys and a ball by extension are considered a utensil, balls are worse with regards to mukseh than other toys. Why? certainly of his time, he's telling us, are filthy, they're dirty, they're filled with mud and dirt. And as a result, that in and of itself makes it what's called It's something that's disgusting, it's like garbage. It's something that in turn has the status of nobody would want to touch it. And therefore his angle on balls is specifically either all toys seemingly are asur, or even if I argue that they are a keli, it's mukseh mehamat mi'us. That's his argument, shibole haleket. He goes on to cite from the midrash echa. In other words, he goes on to give musar on this matter, maybe even reference in the context of halacha. It makes us pause and question already for a moment or two whether that's relevant to our balls today. Our ah. balls today are not per se dirty. Sometimes if it's in the bushes or something like that, like they're not all amazingly clean all the time. Uh, it's an interesting point. Uh, also, it, all it would... balls required it to hit the ground. Basketballs, so, so balls will get somewhat dirty. Will they become disgusting mm-hmm. to the extent that it's not usable, that you would look at it and say uh, that's something disgusting and only a little child who doesn't think straight or something along those lines would play with it? I think not. If it is a ball filled with, filled with mud or something of that sort, indeed, I would say that probably is considered Generally speaking, if the ball is prepared and out there, it might be a little dirty, but it's not dirty to the extent that we would say it's ma'us and muqseh. Could something become muqseh on Shabbat or vice versa? Suppose you had a clean ball yes. before Shabbat, and then on Shabbat you hit it, and I don't know, you're playing tennis, the tennis ball goes in the mud. Could it become sure. muqseh? Sure, just like if you have garbage on Shabbat. I ate the food at the meal, and then I cleared it off and put it in the garbage can. Once it's in the garbage can, it's now muqseh. If a child uh, soils the floor, that's muqseh. Yes, it's permissibility of removing a gerif shel re'i, but ultimately speaking, it's muqseh. Okay. A little off topic. Are you now allowed to take out the garbage on Shabbat? You're allowed to remove the garbage on Shabbat because it's considered, again, a gerif shel re'i. Sorry, a gerif shel re'i. Take it out to your house or take it to the front? Take it to the front. 
uh, 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 from the side of your house to the yeah, front. Yeah, from inside your house to no, the front. No, from the inside your house, if it's in your way, in your kitchen, and you're now going to have garbage all over the place or it's smelling, you can take it outside of your house. Mm. From the side of your house to bring it to the front of your house, I don't know of any permissibility. In other words, why should it be permitted? After all, it's mukseh. The only reason it's permitted to move mukseh in this circumstance is because the rabbis say, if it's hindering your involvement and engagement and enjoying Shabbat, so you can move it out of the way. It's on the so side of your house, in the outside. Driveway and hanging out or something, and it smells. If you're on your porch and there's piles of garbage. So then permit it. So then permit it. I'm talking if about. You're in a business window to, for it to come next week. You know, the so is. it's going to ruin your mindset on Shabbat? Uh, hard to believe. And so, and anyway, we're not really going to be dealing well, with that because they don't pick up on Shabbat. They pick up on Friday night, you put it out before Shabbat. And, and empty cans to return them back in. I would, I would imagine and mm-hmm. do accept and understand those to be mukseh as well. That's not to say that a non-Jew who works right, for right, you right. could do it if they know to do it, but a Jews... Why is it mukseh? Well, garbage, garbage cans are receptacles for, for garbage. They have no purpose for Shabbat other than for Isur uh, uh, items. All right, that being the case, however, so again, Shibboleh HaLeket then is setting forth for us the first discussion and conversation about Mukseh with regards to balls, either no usage whatsoever, toys, games is not sufficient, or even if that isn't Mukseh, there's nonetheless an issue because it's dirty in his time. Source number eight, Sefer Ha'agur, who's a German source, Rabbi Yaakov ben Yehuda, he has the following mm-hmm. statement. If you'll just skip to the second line, second line here in the middle, it says, V'yesh matirin, de'be'iruvin mochiach besofo de'en isur l'tzhachek el amishum mashve gumot. He said from Gemara Masechet Iruvin, which says that playing on a surface, on a dirt floor, has a problem with, which is called mashve gumot. We're only going to translate the words. We'll return to this issue in a little bit, but it's already worth mentioning that one of the Rishonim brings this up already, that the issue is smoothing the floor. In other words, the only circumstance where you'll have any sur, he suggests at this moment, to play with a ball, is if it will bring you to smooth the floor. What's the problem with smoothing floors? We'll have to address. He says, We can learn from that. He now cites from his rabbi, Nonetheless, even if you're on a strong surface, even if it's not a problem with smoothing the floor, there's still an isur, still a problem in prohibition. Again, he makes the same statement we saw in Shibole Haleket. His bottom line on prohibition of balls on Shabbat is... He addressed an issue which we want to return to, if he might come to smoothing the floor. But he mentions, ultimately speaking, again, a reality not relevant to our balls today, that the problem with playing ball on Shabbat or using a ball is that it's mukseh mehamat mi'us. And he cites this all from Shibole Haleket. Moving ahead just a bit more to Tanya Rabbati, another Kadmon uh, uh, from Ashkenaz in Germany has the following statement: His Hilchot Shabbat Siman Yotet. We're making our way through um, many of the late Aharoni, uh, late Rishonim's words, the late medieval rabbis with regards to playing ball, which is a fascinating thing. It means they were contending with and dealing with a reality which either was taking place or they were trying to prevent from taking place. There were balls and there was the potential or the, to the extent that people were playing ball. Asur lesachek, or lishok bekadur b'shabbat, matzinu b'midrash echa, tu shimon hava mafik, and so forth. Velama harav, im toma mishum zenut, velama harav, amarafuna, yedesh ayum sahakin bekadur b'shabbat. Listen to his words, the Tanya Rabbati. Asur lesachek bekadur b'shabbat. What's his sourcing? What's his rationale? What's his reasoning? Talmud Yerushalmi, Echar Bati. He's using those Midrashim, which we read and understood as maybe words of rebuke, maybe insight, let's look back and see what went wrong. As a strong source to use the word Asur, is he saying Zilzul Shabbat? He might, that it's just not the proper activity. Is he saying something more from that? He's not making clear for us, but he is, and this to your question earlier, using those initial sources as almost halachically binding to using the words asur. Again, does the word asur here mean to the extent that, so to speak, you would get makot, uh, the rabbis would lash you if you did so? 
it does appear so, but it's not 100% clear. There is one last from the Rishonim, very significant and important source. It's cited in source number 10 by Bet Yosef. Bet Yosef in Siman Shimhet. Bet Yosef is Rabbi Yosef Karo, the author of Shohan Aruch. He begins by citing from Agur. Agur was our earlier source. We had him cited in source number eight, who in turn was quoting from Shibole Haleket. That was the approach, our first approach, with regards to bulls, muqseh on Shabbat, either they're not considered a keli, or if they are, they're ma'us. Then says Bet Yosef, but you need to know something. If you read carefully Tosafot in Masechet Betzandaf Yod Bet at the bottom of the page, just a few lines before the bottom, Tosafot in the context of, and it's significant for a moment, in the context of carrying on Yom Tob, make the following point. There is a question there in the Gemara what is permitted to carry on Yom Tob? Anything? when there's no eruv, or specifically items with which you're performing a mitzvah. <coughs> you see, the Mishnah mentions Beit Hillel's opinion over there. The Mishnah says that Beit Hillel permits three carrying circumstances. These are obviously just examples, but the following three examples. Number one, to carry a lulav. Number two, to carry a sefer Torah. Those two are clearly a performance of a mitzvah. Number three, to walk with a tinok, with a child. Is that a mitzvah? Or is that just for enjoyment of the day? Rabbeinu Hananel, one of the early Rishonim, in his commentary to the Gemara, says the third one as well is to take a child for Berit Milah. Under only circumstances of mitzvah can you permit on Yom Tob carrying if it's to provide food or to perform a mitzvah. If it's just for our enjoyment and there's no Eruv, you can't carry on Yom Tob. Says Tosafot, I disagree. What do you mean? How so? As long as it's for the enjoyment of the day, says Tosafot, all is, all is permitted, which would extend to taking a walk with your children, pushing the stroller, carrying items other than food out to out read a book or something along those lines. Oh, that being the case, says Tosafot, you know something? They write this explicitly. The truth is that's why we permit playing with balls, which are known as fluta, I guess an old French word, on Yom Tob. Pause for a second. Did you hear the words of Tosafot? It's true. They were contending with an issue of carrying. They were explaining that it's not an issue of carrying, but in that context they said, so much so we're explaining to you, it doesn't need to be a mitzvah to carry on Yom Tob outside of, uh, from Rashut Ahid into Rashut Rabin, from a private domain into a public one, or within a public one for Amot six feet. And that doesn't mean, because you should know, we play ball, or children play ball on Yom Tob. So Tosafot then are the first source that we're seeing explicitly state that there's no Isur with regards to playing a ball on Shabbat. Is Tosafot saying we think everyone should go out and play ball on Shabbat or Yom Tov? No. Is Tosafot stating that that was a relevant reality that they're not crying about and they're explaining is permitted? Yes. What other issue did, by the way, Tosafot, quoted by Bet Yosef, introduce to us? Carrying. Which means, say, if you're living in a place or you're visiting a place in a hotel or otherwise where there isn't an Eruv, you have to be very careful with regards to where that's taking place. It needs to be within the confines of walls. The ball needs to be there already. You wouldn't be able to carry from one place to another. But the court itself is an Ashutayahid. So if, the if, the ball, cor- if the ball and racket were there beforehand, and as Tosafot is assuming, clearly, there's no issue of mukseh on the balls, right? That is what Tosafot is assuming. They're only contending with an issue known as carrying, then not or tiltul, they're not contending with the issue of mukseh. Yes, if that were the case, as long as the ball was there beforehand, or you're connected to that space, you'd be able to be... And the be... net is not dividing the Rashut into two no. separate Rashut no, no, in between? because there's place around it and so far, and the net isn't complete. And even if it was, no, that wouldn't, that wouldn't pose One big Rashut so you can play once you're in there. Yes. Yes. All right, so then we've, we've moved forward. So what emerges then is we have a mahlok and we have a dispute amongst the Rishonim. That's really what we're dealing with with regards to the status of a ball. We dealt with, uh, with uh, exercise on Shabbat. We understood that as long as it's not for medicinal uh, therapeutic reasons, it's permitted. We're not dealing with balls. We had, we had cautionary tales from Talmud Yerushalmi and Midrash. 
We weren't certain how normative, how much that's telling us don't, as much as it's saying it's inappropriate. We weren't even certain it was talking about Shabbat. We had late Rishonim telling us balls might pose an issue of Mukseh. We have Tosafot cited by Bet Yosef as saying it's permitted. Darke Moshe of the Ramar bi Moshe Isilis, right there in Siman Shin Yod, excuse me, in Siman Shin Chet, it should say, in Saif Katan Yod Aleph. Uh, likewise states Tosafot and explains and reminds, as we just did, but make certain that you're not carrying if you're playing ball. How does this translate into Shulchan Aruch and to Ramah? How does this bring us to bottom line in the law book of Rabbi Yosef Karo? Siman Shin Chet, Saif Memhe, in source number 12, you may not. It's prohibited to play ball on Shabbat or Yom Tov. But there are those who permit. In Poland, reports Rama, they used to be mekil. They used to be lenient. That doesn't leave, leave us uh, very, uh, very strong with regards to the question and issue we, array, we, rose, uh, uh, we, we brought up initially. It means that according to Shulchan Aruch, it seems black on white... The halacha is that balls are a problem on Shabbat because. and Yom Mukseh. That's clear. The only reason that Bet Yosef cited in source number 10 was Mukseh, quoted from Shibodeh Haleket, from Agur. Because of dirtiness. Because of dirtiness, ostensibly, or it's not considered a keli at all, in which case all toys would be problematic as well. Even if we were to disprove that and say that the balls today are not dirty, are we not allowed to go against the Gezera once it's established for this reason? Abs- I mean, we're under most circumstances, listen, there's, there's a long and wide and broad conversation about when we say there's a gezerah and if the ta'am, the reasoning, is, is no longer relevant, so the gezerah is no longer either, but that's not really the case over here. The case over here is a question about the ball, whether it's considered mukseh. So, in other words, we don't have in the Gemara balls were decreed by the rabbis as mukseh. We're dealing with post-Talmud material and Rishonim and Rabbanim who are debating this and stating, I think it is considered Mukseh. Tosafot saying, I don't. So we're not really dealing with such a reality. But Shohan Aruch does leave us in a very stringent, severe circumstance with regards to playing ball uh, just because of using the ball on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Mishnah Birra, in his uh, commentary there to Shohan Aruch, first and foremost explains what's the issue with regards to a ball, as we just mentioned. Haveke Evin. He says it might be considered, that was the first interpretation of Shibole Halek, and not because of the dirtiness. It's like a rock. Toys are like a rock. It sounds like. Why would you argue that it's mutar as Tosafot did? If Sharshetta'amam, we haven't explained. How does Tosafot disagree? Number one, we suggested maybe the balls aren't so dirty. But what about it being a keli? Shekevan she'asui lekach? Says Mishnah Berurah at the rationale for what seems to be only the Ashkenazic permissibility leniency over here is that since the ball was made in order to be played with, it's not a rock which I'm reappropriating and explaining and using now as 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 a ball. No, it's a ball which is made to be played with. Well, that's not mukseh. Mukseh is when it has no usage. You're using it. You wouldn't even cover a, a cup with it. You wouldn't even be a mechaseh pisilohit with it, are the words we saw. Okay, a rock is mukseh. A ball which is made to be a ball. A ball which is constructed, construct, constructed, manufactured, and sold as a spalding ball, as a ball which is sold in the market to be played with. How could you argue, says Mishnah Bra for Ramah, that that's mukseh? But it's still not used for Shabbat. It's still not a utensil. So, so again, the, the utensils on Shabbat is an interesting point that Ricky is raising. Ricky is suggesting that maybe if I'm not supposed to be playing with it on Shabbat, that's why, right, that's why it's mukseh. Mm-hmm. It's inappropriate for Shabbat because I'm not supposed to be playing with it. Who said I'm not supposed to be playing with it? So for that, you'd probably be turning to the Midrashim we learned earlier. You just said it's a Again, if you're allowed to, so then why is it any different than a cup? It's a cup which is manufactured to be a cup. I can use this. The only reason to argue that a ball isn't is either it's a rock, uh, but over here it's made to be a ball. 
So the only reason you would argue nonetheless it could be asur would be, but you're not allowed to play with a ball on Shabbat. You shouldn't be playing with a ball on Shabbat. And in turn, it's mukzeh. That will be an angle, but that's the best that you really could come up with, at least in my mind, with regards to balls that are played with today. Kafa Hayim, Rabbi Yaakov Hayim Sofer, in his commentary to Shohan Aruch, is very strict. This is a Baghdadian rabbi who lived first in Bavel in Baghdad and then made his way to Eres Israel died in the early 20th century. He's very strict with regards to ball playing on Shabbat. He cites from the Midrashim and Tamud Yerushalmi that we cited earlier. He's very clear, as so he writes here at the end of uh, source number 14, any person who's God-fearing, you should pay attention, careful, heed carefully that which the rabbi said, you're supposed to immerse yourself and spend the day of Shabbat studying Torah, engaged in spiritual pursuits, etc. says, Kafahayim, as a result, I want to ward you away from this. Again, we said at the onset of this class, nobody is looking or understanding from this class that this is to be the objective of our day. Nobody is looking or understanding from this class that this is what we're looking to redefine Shabbat as the day to play ball. We're questioning if there is a ball, if a person's having a catch, if a person's playing tennis, is there per se an isur in that context? Cham ben Ziona Bashaul in source number 15 in Sheilot Teshubot or Lesion Chalik Bet in Perek Kavdav Siman Chet suggests that the reason he questions initially. So why did Shulchan Aruch say Asur? If you've been following everything we've developed, we really have a dispute. On the one hand, there are those who claim, and it was really all Ashkenazic sources across the board over here. It's not as if we have a Sephardic Rif or Harambam took a, took a stab at this. No, we have Ashkenazic sources. The, the, the most household name with regards to these sources is Tosafot, who are the permitting ones who say it's not Mukseh, and against them you had a Tanya, Sefer Tanya, you had a Shibboleh Halekut, all important sources, you had Sefer Ha'agur, you have the, the, the sanctity of the day, but why did Bet Yosef, why did Rabbi Yosef Karo and his Shulchan Aruch decide that it's Asur? His suggestion is that Midrash, with which, which we began this conversation with, the Midrash and the Talmud Yerushalmi, who say the reason there was a destruction of that place called Turshim On was because of ball playing, understood as ball playing on Shabbat. That's what swayed Bet Yosef. That's why Shulchan Aruch decided, yes, I know there's a dispute whether it's considered Mukse or not, but Ricky, your argument just a moment moment or two ago is that I shouldn't be doing this. As a result, if I shouldn't be doing this, that's going to sway me away from Tosafot and suggest and said, maybe it is Mukseh, because the rabbis are telling me not to be doing so. Maybe that's what the Talmud Yerushalmi meant, is that it's considered Mukseh because it's not a Shabbat activity of some sort. And as a result, interestingly, that's how Hacham Ben Siona Bashaul uh, toes the line. On the one hand, he says toys would be permitted. Toys are appropriate for Shabbat, he suggests, as a result, and not Mukseh. Balls, in contrast, he says, according to Shohan Aruch, would be con- considered Mukseh. Do you understand what happened over here? Shibboleh it said it's not considered a keli. Why not? Because you're just playing with it. Ah, so Shohan Aruch pers- potentially, says Cham Ben-Zion, isn't accepting that entirely. Playing with something is a purposeful usage. It is considered a keli for that, but balls are different. Why are balls different? Balls, the Gemara says, you shouldn't be engaged with and playing with a toy ball, what would you say? Why is it any different? It's like a baby, little, squishy, I don't know, something like so that. So Ham Benziona explicitly says that for Kitanim, for children, they could at the very least be Somech on the Ashkenazim. Right? In other words, since it's a child who's playing with it, not an adult, he says, so even though Shohan Aruch says Asur, there's grounds for permitting. Rama says explicitly even for adults it's Mutar, and by extension says Ham Benzion, a child would be able to. I imagine an adult with a baby just rolling the ball around. I imagine, I imagine, I imagine, I'm speaking for him, Cham Ben-Zion would say it's Mutara as well. Because in such a circumstance, again, remember, his whole understanding of Shohan Aruch is it's Asur because of the playing of, it seems, adults. If it's a baby who's playing with a ball, it's not in that circumstance per se considered. Unless it's Mutara. so dirty and the baby licks Sir, it. And of then course, gets of course. Separate issue. But Chama Ovadia Yosef in source number 16 in Hazon Ovadia and Hilchot Shabbat in Hilagima on page Saditet writes the following. And he sources it uh, in his footnotes, which we won't fully develop. But he writes Kadur, She'asui le Mishak, a ball, which is not a rock, but it's rather made for playing with. And Alav Torah Keli. 
course, it's going based on Shulchan Aruch. It's not considered keli. It's mukse. Varehu mukse. Moshe pasak maran. Nothing that we're not familiar with already. Shulchan Aruch and Ramah had this dispute in Siman Shin Chet. Ubilvad, interesting words that we saw already in Agur. Shalois Hakubo al Gabe Karka. Make certain that you're not playing on ground. Because if you're on ground, there's a hashash, there's a fear that you'll come to smooth the ground. A point I told you we're going to need to return to. Importantly, continues, he says, the later authority is right. That the balls in today's day and age, which are, which are manufactured to be played with, they're not considered as a result, you could give to children to play with in the home or at a table or at a ping pong table or something of that sort. So Yosef, although he starts and clearly is of the opinion that you shouldn't be playing ball on Shabbat, quoting from Shulchan Aruch, he qualifies that. He says that the Aharonim, the later authorities, he quotes from Shelot Teshubot Shevet Halevi, he quotes from many others, Shelot Teshubot Be'er Moshe, among others, who suggest that balls today have an altogether different status, whereas balls once upon a time were either disgusting because of their filth, or weren't considered a keli because they weren't manufactured to be played with. Balls today need not be considered mukseh. Where does that leave us at the conclusion of this long conversation? It leaves us, I hope, in a clear place. On the one hand, Shulchan Aruch made clear that bulls are considered mukseh. On the other hand, there is strong arguments to be made that bulls today don't have that same status because they're manufactured to be played with. That's supported together with the fact that Tosafot permitted entirely, even balls of once upon a time, it appears, as not being considered mukseh. Does that mean that everyone should assume that balls are entirely permitted? No, but it does give ample space and room to making the argument that balls are not clearly, unequivocally asur. It makes clear for us that there is room lehakel on this matter. Would any posek come out and say, and therefore you should be playing ball? Absolutely not. Chamovadia Yosef does not conclude with, and therefore go play ball. He concludes instead, unlike Chambensyon, we can therefore allow for children. He says, but children could play with it. Chambensyon says, children because of the Ashkenazim. Children. Chamovadia Yosef is, is assuming, it seems to me, that adults shouldn't be engaged in this on Shabbat. Adults should have better things to do. If an adult finds this as being an activity that they are engaged with, they're picking up a ball and throwing it around, he is uh, giving us room to be lenient on this matter. What's the difference between him and the previous source? I wasn't understanding. So the suggestion is that Chambensyon Abashaul permits only games. When it comes to bowls for adults, he says it's Asur. On what so grounds? Shohan Aruch. seems to me is more lenient. Although he does give you initially the words of Shohan Aruch, he then writes right afterwards, but bowls today are permitted. And therefore, children could play with them. But if they're permitted, what were those words? He's, he's giving a lot more space and room for leniency. And he's really quoting from Shevet HaLevi, who makes this clear. All right, well, that being the case, just to catch you up to date, we've addressed really two issues, one longer than the other, but two issues. Initially, the issue of exercising, which we understood as only being relevant to circumstances with regards to prohibition, where it's for medicinal reasons. The second issue is with regards to the mukse status of balls. We did see, importantly, Shulchan Aruch's words. However, we understood, in turn, through the development that is far from simple, that balls should be considered mukse in today's day and age when they're made to be a ball. If, if a child picks up a, uh, uh, an egg or something in order to play with it, it's, well, eggs are permitted, a rock to play with it, okay, then it's mukse. But if it's a ball which is manufactured and crafted to be a ball, there's plenty of room um, for leniency as a result um, of this long conversation for not considering it mukse. There is, however, one very important issue that still needs to be addressed. We'll address several of the other derivatives, but one very important issue. You see, when it comes to playing ball, uh, something like on a court, 
Uh, the question is what the court has lying at the bottom of it. In other words, if you're dealing with a clay court in tennis, for example, in such a circumstance, we already saw those words of ashvuye gumot, some sort of issue of smoothing the ground. That's really what we need to focus on next. And not per se ground which is solid, but ground which is made out of dirt or clay. There might be an issue in that circumstance, we saw reference twice already, of something called ashvuye gumot. So we need to take a step back and try to understand this, and in turn, um, determine, uh, well, how relevant and what is the relevancy to us in this context. What sort of issue is there with regards to smoothing ground? Uh, so the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Daf'ayin Gimal Amudbet, toward the end of this first line, says, Amarava, hayetalo guma utimama. If a person has a furrow in the ground, there's a hole in the ground, and he closes it up on Shabbat. Depending on where you are, there is a violation. Irrespective of where you are, there's a violation of one of the milachot on Shabbat. If you're in your home, it's considered melechet binyan. You say to me, how's that relevant in my home? Once upon a time, people didn't have tiled or carpeted floors. They had dirt floors. What would you do? There's a furrow in the ground. They'd smooth it over. Melechet binyan. I'm building. I'm finishing the building in my home. Asur min Torah on Shabbat. I'm out in my field. I'm not building in my home. I'm not building in the field. That's hayad mishum chodesh. It's plowing. That's not plowing. Plowing means picking up. It's either, as Rashi interprets, because you're loosening the dirt by, so you're putting loose dirt on top of it, or just as Rabbeinu Hananel and Harambam explain it, it's tikkun karka, you're just fixing the ground, it's all a part of plowing. So those then are the two significant aspects with regards to smoothing over ground. Now I pause for a second and I say to all of us, is that really our case? Is that really our situation? Before I talk about what our situation really is, I'll tell you that the Gemara and Masechet Shabbat and Shulchan Aruch, elsewhere in Siman Shin Lamed Zayin, Saif Bet says as a result, if your ground in your home or in your field, uh, by extension where it certainly will be relevant, is dirt and you want to sweep it, you can't. Home which has dirt floor, your field, which of course has dirt, you can't sweep. Why can't you sweep? Because by sweeping, whether it's your intention or not, you'll be covering up the holes that are there. There's an isur, both in your home, mishum binyan, and in your field, mishum choresh. That's the isur. Again, I ask you, are we sweeping? Now, if you told me that after the ball is hit many times over the net on a clay court, a person comes to sweep, of course, you say to them right away, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbat. That's clear. Pause for a second. Are you not allowed to do that on Shabbat? Is the clay court susceptible for growth? Could you plant a seed over there and have it burgeon and have it blossom? It's not considered a field and it's not in your house. So, so the suggestion see, for the moment. So interesting. So first and foremost, Charles we, says you'll see sometimes there is growth. That's significant in and of itself and ends the conversation. Then it's melechet chodesh immediately. Alternatively, even if it's not, and the argument recently was made to me that it's not, or it's not supposed to be, and furthermore, your intention is not to, and you have no interest in the weeds growing, it nonetheless would still be melechet, ironically, binyan. What do you mean? Binyan, you said, is only in the home. No, the reason the Gemara says binyan is in your home is because I'm not interested in growth in my home. I am interested in a straight floor. So now, even though it's my tennis court, and I'm not living there per se, but my objective in, in having it smoothed over is so that I have a smooth floor, not for the purpose of planting. That would not be melechet choresh, it would be melechet binyan. But there's no getting around melacha, at least in my understanding and many of the poskim's understanding. All right, so now we'll go a step further, though. We'll say, okay, not a problem. We'll play on the clay court, but we'll make certain that we don't sweep it. Mm-hmm. Now we're nervous. You might, okay, so we'll throw away this, the, the broom before Shabbat, the broom for the court. We'll bury it in our basement, make certain signs. We'll lock it up and make certain nobody's going to sweep it. Is it then permitted? Shohan Aruch, this is the Gemara and Masechet Eruvin and the Rishonim's interpretation to it that we saw cited by Agur earlier in source number 19 in Siman Shinna Mithet Sa'ifhe writes the following. En sohakim ve'egozim ve'lo betapuchim ve'kayotzebo. It's prohibited to play on the ground with walnuts or 
Apples, once upon a time, people had less toys. They made do with what they had. Mishum ashvuye gumot. Because you might come to smooth the ground. The statement of Shohan Aruch, again, basing himself on Rishonim on the Gemara, is not that you can't sweep the ground. That we already knew from source number 18. The Isur is a Gezera. By playing on the ground with these items, which will be hitting the ground and making furrows in the ground, you are setting yourself up to smooth it over. But I can't. I got rid of the broom. Here we have a gezera, Victor, which is in place, asur, even though you're not actually smoothing it. The playing itself is asur. This is specifically and only on top of ground. Aval If it's on a table... If it's on uh, um, concrete, well, then it would be permitted. In such a circumstance, there's no gezera. Significantly and importantly, source number 19, is telling us that on a clay court, there's an isur to be playing ball, to be playing with apples or walnuts or balls if they're not mukseh, as we're suggesting. There's good, good reason to say so. Why gezera mishum sheme yashve gumot? What's the issue of yashve gumot, of smoothing over those holes? We're suggesting if it's susceptible to growth, as Charles says, sometimes it is, mishum harisha. If it's not, mishum binyan. Generally speaking, we're going to say mishum binyan regardless, because even if there's growth, I'm not interested in this question about that. Mishum binyan, everybody wants a straight floor over there. Mishnah birra, in fact, there, on Shohan Aruch, makes the following very bold statement, which makes issues for Ashkenazim, ironically, harder than for Sfaradim, because Mishnah Berurah suggests that, if you take a look at the uh, second line, uh, he says the following, Aval al karka, even if you're on ground, not ground of dirt, but ground of concrete, on something, on tiles, even if there's a risefa, there's something on top of it. There's no gezerav, you might smooth it over. It's nonetheless asur. In other words, Mishnah is suggesting the only time it would be permitted is if you put out a blanket on top of the ground, or you're doing it on a table. If it's on ground in any way, shape, or form, even if it's covered with tiles, even if it's covered with concrete, it's asur. Why? People won't, and his understanding is that's the gezera was in the first place, won't distinguish between ground which is just dirt or mud and ground which is concrete. So hard court would also be asur. For Mishnah Berura, hard court would also be asur. That seems clear. Hacham Ovadia Yosef, together with many of the Aharonim, both Ashkenazi and Sfaradi, is Holek. In source number 21, Hazon Ovadia, and Hilchot Shabbat, Halek on page Nun Gimal, he writes the following, his assumption. Na'arot, young women. Hamisahakot be'egozim golot. They're playing with nuts or something else on the ground. Asur lesahak be'en b'shabbat, al gabe karka. Well, that we know. We saw that in Shohan Aruch. You're not allowed to do that directly on the ground. Why? Mishu mishu yegumot. Right? That's what we saw. He quotes it from Shohan Aruch Siman Shinnam Etchet and Gemara Ne'erovin on Dav Kofdal. Ubekarka merusaf mutar ledidan. However, if the ground is covered, in other words, it's not direct dirt, it's mutar ledidan, it's mutar for svaradim. Kedekayim alan bedin kibbut habayit. Similar to what we permit, and many do, and there's longer conversations for Ashkenazim about the specifics on this, sweeping in a home when the ground is not dirt. Uh, that being the case, it's very significant for our purposes, again, to pause and realize that as many as uh, sources as we developed over the course of this class with regards to finding ample room for permissibility for not consistent and arduous activity in ball, but to use a ball, uh, it seems clear, without any doubt, at least in my mind, that on a clay court there'd be any sort, even if you're not actively sweeping, the fact that there is a potential that you would come to sweep, as Shulchan Aruch quotes from the Gemara, that makes it prohibited. So by that logic, you can't play tag on a tennis court. You can't run on a tennis court, just... I don't know, you're playing anything on a tennis court because once you're done, you might come to sweep it. And it's an interesting point. Um, however, what seems clear from Shohan Aruch based on the Gemara is it's only when the game is purposed to have something banging into the ground. 
which means to say we talked about apples or walnuts on the ground specifically. Something's going up and down on the ground, it's supposed to be hitting the ground. When you're running or things of that sort on the ground, it's not per se the same reality. So there is, if I'm not mistaken, a conversation about something like baseball or even, I mean, in other words, sports where the objective is not for the ball to be on the ground, there might be a conversation in that context about this sort of issue. Uh, but at the very least, on a clay court, when you're playing a game where the ball must hit the ground, like tennis, uh, it seems clear to me that there would be an issue. What about something like volleyball? Well, volleyball uh, as not. well, I understand the goal is not to smooth the ground, but I let's say I'm playing on sand. I'm hitting the ball over the net. Just recently someone said to me, perhaps that should be us. You don't have to smooth that. You don't want that smooth. Well, but... Uh, sometimes you dig your foot in. Uh, my initial response, net. Charles, much as you was, nobody's interested in the smoothness. The response in turn to me was, well, everyone smooths the ground as they do, so apparently they do want it. Mm-hmm. I'm no volleyball maven, but... Assuming that is the reality, so importantly, Shohan Aruch and Siman Shin again in Saif Lamit Hayat makes the following statement, and we need to read it in conjunction with the Aharonim who are cited in Mishnah Berah. Machnis Adami Beod Yom Meloku Pato Afar Umiyahed Lo Keren Zavit VeOsebo Kol Serachav BeShabbat. The Halacha is quoting from Mishnah and Mishnah and Masechet Shabbat is that you're permitted to bring in Mibeod Yom before Shabbat Meloku Pato, a full receptacle filled with. Um, dirt or specifically filled with sand and you're allowed to use that on Shabbat for any matter. Uh, what does that mean? It's mukseh. No, the fact that I designated it before Shabbat. Here's my sand. Here's my dirt. And I'm going to use it to cover up dirt. On Or uh, if the child relieves himself or if the dog relieves I'm going to push it on top of it. That's the way they used to just cover it up. That was permitted. You, by designating it beforehand, made it not mukseh. It's alachan hilchot mukseh. But wait a second, says Mishnah Berurah. I understand that. But by taking the sand out, aren't you going to be making a hole? Aren't you potentially going to be smoothing over that hole? Says Mishnah Berah from the Aharonim. This is specifically when the dirt is such that there won't be a hole which is created by doing so. His first suggestion is you take it smoothly and equally. How would you do so? I guess you somehow smoothed off, skimmed off the top layer. Hard to fully comprehend how that's done. Or, here's the important part for us, or it's sand which is very thin and smooth, so that that immediately after you took some, it gets filled in. Which means to say that when you're dealing with sand, generally speaking, unless you really dig into it, unless you moisten it, Unless you're in those sorts of circumstances, you're not actually dealing with a hole which is smoothed over. The sand is filling itself in. The fact that it's being brushed to the side is not per se going to, to, to be considered, at least in my understanding of this, to be a guma. And as a result, you won't be dealing with a problem of mashve gumot. We'll add to it as well, although it will add to it as well that on sand, the question is, is there any growth possible in sand? So probably not. You wouldn't have harisha. The question is, again, only a binyan issue, which I believe that would be dealt with in this fashion. Okay, so then to catch you up to date, then what we've addressed, we've addressed exercising, we've addressed the status of mukseh, we've addressed and been stuck on and will maintain that it's asur, clay courts on Shabbat, as opposed to solid courts, which would be permitted with regards to this issue of Shemei Yashve Gumot. Lastly, one more issue, among many others, which I'm sure could and would arise in the context of maybe playing with a ball or a game with a ball, is the issue of, uh, let's say you're playing and the ball gets hit or uh, swung out and stuck in a tree. I don't know if that happens in tennis all that much that the person is going to go and retrieve the ball or that it's actually stuck in a tree. Uh, but in volleyball, I'd imagine the ball could and would be hit to so far or to the side into the tree and it's stuck in the tree. What's the status? What's the halakha in such a circumstance? Shohan Aruch and Siman Shin Lamidvav says, basing himself on a Mishnah as well, in Olin Be'ilan, Ben Lach Ben Yavish, you're not allowed to climb a tree, whether it's 
moist or dry, ואין נתלין בו, אני נא לה להנג from it, ואין משתמשים בה מחובר לקרקע כאלו, and you're not allowed to use anything that's connected to the ground. That includes putting a swing on it, that includes hanging uh, utensils on it, that includes anything that you're using the tree or item which is connected to the ground for. It's all a rabbinic restriction that you might climb and then pull off from that tree or growth from the ground. The Aharonim cited by Mishnah Berura right there and Shinlamidvav, Saif Katan Gimal give examples of this Hishtamshut, the using of the tree, Kigon, Lanyachefetz alailan, as we mentioned, leaving an item on it, or Lehorid Ezedavar Me'ilan. Those are the words that need to be underlined. Or to bring anything down from the tree. Which means to say if the ball, or anything else by extension, but we're dealing with the ball, gets stuck in the tree, it's prohibited on Shabbat to pull it down. If it falls down on its own, permitted. If it's it? Can't shake it either. What about Not a bush versus tree? As long as it's three tifahim off of the ground, it's considered, it's considered a separate entity and it poses an issue. So in other words, if it's a very low shrub and the yeah, ball's at the bottom a, of it... A, a, tree, a bush that's five to nine, the ball gets... It's going to be an issue as well. It's on the floor. It's going to be an issue the, as well. In the, in the branches. So it's going to be an issue as well. You would have to build something around it to, to make certain that it won't go in or leave a lot of balls in it if you're saying that the bushes are nearby. Which means to say, as we summarize the issues, not the issues that we addressed and found ample room, at least in my mind, for leniency, the issues that are specific with regards to walking away and realizing if someone's engaged in at the hotel or elsewhere a ball game are, number one, that it cannot be on a clay court because of the issue of you might come to smooth over the holes. And secondly, it's not per se a restriction in terms of how you're playing. It's when you're playing, if the ball were to be stuck or grabbed by a tree and stuck in its branches or the lower hanging shrub, provided that pretty much all circumstances, it's above the ground, three tefahim, it's going to pose an issue, midrab banan, in that circumstance as well, of taking the ball out. What Any about the questions? issue of, um, speaking of balls, uh, maybe purchasing a new can of balls from the hotel, so it's often when you go there, they say, do you want a can? And it's, I don't know, $5, $6. Is there an issue of purchasing it on Shabbat? Obviously, you're not going to pay on Shabbat, they're going to charge it to your room or something, That's or opening important. the can once you get it. Um, like, is that an issue? It's a very important family? issue. So the first issue is a general issue which needs to be addressed at a greater length. In other words, that's when you're in a hotel and you're ordering something and, and charging it to the room, uh, for example. It's a longer and very important issue that we'd need to address in a separate class. Um, and secondly, with regards to opening the can, it's going to be dependent. You see, we did we we had classes in the past on opening uh, soda cans on Shabbat. Now, it depends really on how the can was constructed and what the usage of that can is. Because when it comes to a, a soda can, even if it was one full utensil, and by opening the top of it, you now turned it into a usable utensil. Nonetheless, many of the poskim, Chacham Vadya Yosef. At the very least, after the fact, maybe not lechatechila permit doing so. And it's opening a can on Shabbat. Chamadiyah open them before Shabbat. You lose all your fizz, and many people are very lenient on that matter because he has room for room for for permitting it. But the, this particular angle over there is that nobody reuses a soda can. When it comes to a, a tennis can, a, a tennis ball can, I imagine it could be and would be reused. However, the question is, with regards to the cap, was the cap part of the item or was it slapped on afterwards? The cap or the inner metal thing? That, now, that, that inner metal thing, right, after the cap. That inner metal thing, was that slapped onto it and kind of placed as a part of it after the fact? Or was it constructed in such a way? Well, that's a major difference. Well, so you need to you need to determine that reality with soda cans. It's specifically an issue because it's made in such a fashion. It's made as part of the item. Uh, you need to determine that. In other words, when it comes to um, soda um, bottles on Shabbat, it's not made in such a fashion, right? It's slapped onto it afterwards. Right. Uh, so that would be uh, need to be determined. You see, when it comes to opening cans of, for example, jarred cans of that sort, uh, there's room and ground for permitting that as well, provided on the context and circumstance. And what about the issue of actually reserving the cord? Is there a difference between reserving it on Shabbat or before Shabbat? Is it, is it the same thing as purchasing? Like you're purchasing the cannibals, you're, you're purchasing that? Um, and 
in terms of uh, a reservation on Shabbat, are you, let's are say you, before Shabbat Thursday, it? you say, can you're I being have charged for it? You're giving them something, let's say, like, and then a deposit, whatever. I understand, but you're being charged for it, so no, then it cuts not. back to that. No, so then what's the issue? In other words, if you're, if you're using the court that was there and you're just reserving it, what was the issue? You have to give them your ID, though, let's say. No, what's the issue? Not, not well, what's the issue in such a circumstance? I can't imagine what the issue would but be. You're not taking ownership you. of it. If they're charging you, it comes back to the question of how and if it's permitted with regards to, to, to charging to the room in that respect. Yeah. Okay, that I believe uh, summarizes this issue. One more question. Uh, yeah, could you make the argument that playing a game like volleyball is that sort of because... If it goes in the tree, you're likely to... The only reason we would make such a gezerah, it's a great question, is if the hachamim, hachmeh ha-talmud, made such a gezerah. We, after the closing of Talmud, don't make gezerot of that sort, shemeh, that you'll maybe come to it. And yeah. la davasof, you'll say you can't sit on a chair because the, 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 it might break and you'll come to fix it. We only accept the ones that they mentioned for us. And there is no the spirit, the spirit of Shabbat. So at the beginning of the class, we address the spirit of Shabbat. It's a good way to end the class again and to talk about the spirit of Shabbat and to just uh, fill out that sort of thought and, and concept. You see, when it comes to Shabbat, as we mentioned, Shabbat's a time where you have an opportunity to tap into Kedusha. We have a responsibility to create an aura of Shabbat. Now, what is an aura of Shabbat? Well, the Hachamim described doing several things on Shabbat, eating on Shabbat, praying on Shabbat, and studying Torah on Shabbat all wonderful things, and if all of us could consume our days by doing just that, will be ideal juice in the fullest sense, at least in my opinion. It's difficult for the average normal person to spend the entire day doing to, to doing exactly that. Some people will, as a, resor- as a result, resort to sleeping. A sleeping for five hours on a Shabbat afternoon, they imagine, is greater than a playing a ball, uh, a game of ball afterwards. Was that really greater in the nature of the spirit of Shabbat? Not per se. If I'm on the court and spending time with family or friends, there might be something inherent to that that's positive. At the same time, if the day becomes defined by the sport game, you've clearly, unequivocally, and objectively lost the aura and spirit of Shabbat because my Shabbat now is defined by the game. I played so much in the morning, I was tired, I couldn't sit at lunch and uh, spend time together with my family. I played in a competitive fashion that I was all intense about it instead of enjoying the time and having a ta'anug on Shabbat. So spirit and aura of Shabbat are very significant. Um, it's, it's incumbent upon ourselves and certainly the leadership as well to determine and find the appropriate activities for engagement on Shabbat. What I can say is ball playing might not be the ideal one, but it is one that people can derive a certain aura uh, of appropriateness on Shabbat if it's not overdone. Uh, but that needs to be taken into careful consideration before really, as I said, engaging in anything. Ironically, even sleeping on Shabbat could be inappropriate if abused. Uh, playing ball on Shabbat in turn uh, gives an opportunity, if done right, under the circumstances and halachic guidelines that we mentioned, to be done in not a consistent fashion, not in a, this is what my day is, but this is part of my day and this is how I spent the time and enjoyed the day. Uh, as a result, it's not per se a contradiction to uh, this amorphous concept known as the spirit of Shabbat, which is very significant and underwrites and underlies exactly what Shabbat's all about. Uh, with that, I believe we'll, we'll conclude. Any follow-up issues, maybe we'll address in later classes. Baruch Adonai Amen ve